Easter, which we just celebrated, only comes once a year. Today, I'd like to talk about how we think about experiencing God's presence the other 364 days. Hello, friends. It's good to be with you, as always. Thank you for taking a little time to be with me today. Today's episode is airing the Wednesday after Easter, and you may recall that the last episode, it was kind of a milestone episode in a number of ways. It was just before we're going to return to uh, in-person activities or worship at St. Philip. It was the a week before uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, which is the high point of the church year. And it was also the 100th episode of this podcast. So a major milestone um, in lots of ways. And now here we are, the Wednesday after Easter, and it's not Easter, and it's the 101st episode, and we've already returned to in-person worship, so it's sort of a little bit back to normal life. Um, And I wanted to just comment about that today briefly and reflect that I think in our culture maybe we um, privilege the, I'll call them mountaintop experiences, a little too much And we forget that most of life, maybe this is a truism, but most of life doesn't happen on those mountaintop experiences like Easter, for example, or like the 100th episode, or like the moment when we're about to return to church. Most of life happens in the just day-to-day normal life, which maybe seems sort of -of run-of-the-mill or boring. And the point I want to make today, and this has been true from spiritual masters across the centuries, is that God is present in all of those normal, everyday, humdrum moments as well, if we can only open our eyes to God's presence. And one of the authors who I love, who writes about this in a variety of ways, and I'm going to lift up one of those passages for you today, is a gentleman, we've talked about him here before, uh, maybe not a lot, but his name is Frederick Beekner. And the passage I'm going to read comes from a trilogy of autobiographical works by him. They're called, uh, first of all, The Sacred Journey. Uh, The second one, which I'm going to read from, is called Now and Then. And the third one is called, uh, this was the last of this trilogy. I don't think he started it out that way, but it became one. It's called Telling Secrets. Um, And in that last one, he he has this important line. This is not the the main point I want to make here, but in this last of this uh, autobiographical trilogy, he says this, my story, Frederick Buechner's story, is important not because it is mine. In other words, he's not saying, hey, look at me, I'm so important, I'm so awesome, you should know my story because it's me. He says, it's not important because it's mine, God knows, but because if I tell it anything like right, the chances are you will recognize that in many ways it is also yours. And so I've talked about this before. Here at the church, we are a family. We're all fallen, broken human beings. And this is the place where we can come to be honest about that and recognize that in our brothers and sisters, there are people who have experiences like ours, and we can share those experiences and learn from them and grow from them and take consolation in them. So uh, again, I, that's sort of a little bit of a, a hint as to why he felt it was important to tell his story. But again, back to the point I was making about um, God coming to us, uh, not only at the high points, not at the mountaintop experiences only, but also during the regular run-of-the-mill moments of our everyday life. And this is a little bit longer reading, uh, but 
Again, it's a theme that Beekner picks up again and again and again. And in this particular passage, he's reflecting on how he, the process of writing this autobiographical work and how he, he says, by examining as closely and candidly as I could the life, my life, that had come to see to, seem to me in many ways kind of a trap or a dead-end street, not exciting, not interesting, not particularly uh, joy-filled, I discovered that it really wasn't that way at all. I discovered that if you really keep your eye peeled to it and your ears open, if you really pay attention to it, even such a limited and limiting life as the one I was living opened up onto extraordinary vistas. And then he lists a few again, everyday things, where God, he believes, is present if we'll only open our eyes to it. Taking your children to school and kissing your wife goodbye, eating lunch with a friend, trying to do a decent day's work, hearing the rain patter against the window. There is, he says, no event so commonplace, but that God is present within it. And then he concludes, or I'm going to conclude this reading with a pretty famous um, couple of sentences. Actually, I guess it's one long sentence from him where he talks about, if I were to try to summarize everything I've ever written, everything I've tried to say as a preacher, um, it would maybe be something like this. Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness, the humdrum every day as well as the mountaintop, Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments and life itself is grace. Which is another way of saying life itself is a gift. And I pray that as we continue our lives here at St. Philip the Deacon post-Easter, we can not only continue to receive that gift from a God who loves us, but we can share it with others. As always, thanks for being with me. Be well, stay in touch, and God bless.